Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. You know, when Paul came to the end of his life, he didn't come to the end of his life without mistakes, but he came to the end of his life without any regrets. Whatever regrets, mistakes you've made in the past, you can't eliminate them, but you can use them to change your tomorrow and your forever. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, few people leave this life without any regrets. So when you finally depart for heaven, how can you avoid leaving behind any missed opportunities or unfinished dreams? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains how to maximize your time on earth in order to minimize your pre-departure regrets. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress. Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. I'm glad you're with us because today and again on Monday, I'm presenting the final message in our series about a place called heaven. If you were packing your bags for an exotic vacation in another country, you'd spend a lot of time doing research, gathering all the right clothing, and checking the list to make sure you included every necessary item in your luggage. So, Why is it that few people spend a lot of time packing their bags and preparing for their eternal home? That's our topic again today, and it's also the very reason I wrote a new book for you. The deadline for requesting your copy of my latest book, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven, is Monday, and so it's important that you contact us right away. Yes, we step into eternity the day we die. However, we can live in the joy of heaven every single day, starting right now. My book was written to help you center your heart and mind on the things above and the promise of our heavenly home. And this is a perfect book to give to anyone struggling with chronic illness or grieving the loss of a loved one. So, while there's still time, be sure to request your copy of Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, it's time to turn our attention to the Word of God as we answer this important question, How can I prepare for my journey to heaven? As we wrap up our series on heaven, we're talking about how to prepare for our journey to heaven. And we've talked about six practical steps that we can take to make sure we're ready when the time comes for us to go to that place called heaven. Now, last time we looked at the first three of those steps. Remember what they were? If not, they're on your outline. First of all, and this is most foundational, make sure you have a valid passport. You know, if you're going to travel to a foreign country, you can't get in without the right documentation. And the same thing is true when we enter that new country called heaven. I'm not talking about a physical passport. I'm talking about a spiritual passport that will allow you entry into heaven. And what is that spiritual passport? It is a heart that is stamped with one word, forgiven. Only forgiven people enter into heaven. Being a Baptist doesn't guarantee your entrance into heaven. Being a Catholic, being a member of the Church of Christ, people don't go to heaven in a group. They go one by one based on their relationship to Jesus Christ. 
make sure you have a valid passport. Now, that is the foundational step to prepare for heaven, but there are others as well. Number two, we talked about live with a destination mindset. Have you ever found how difficult it is to live in two places at the same time? And yet, as Christians, we have that task. We are residents of this life, of this earth, with very real responsibilities God has given us to fulfill. But we also are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And while here, we're to be making preparations from there. And that's why, as Christians, we need to live our lives with that destination mindset. While we are here, we have to learn to prepare for there. Thirdly, to prepare for heaven, refuse to allow your departure to paralyze you with fear. Some Christians are fearful about their departure to heaven. There's no need for a Christian to fear that departure any more than there's a need to fear when at passport control, you pass through that turnstile, you pass through that little metal gate that allows you entry to a new country that you've been waiting to travel to. It's the same way with death. Here are two reasons you don't need to fear death. First of all, no Christian dies prematurely. Death for a Christian is never premature. As the psalmist said, my days are in your hands, O God. God has a definite time for your departure. And nobody, nobody leaves this earth one second before God's appointed time. As someone said, every person is immortal until his work on earth is done. A second reason not to fear death. Death is a necessary transition to heaven. It's a necessary transition. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, for flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The word death, thanatos, means a separation. Death is a separation of our spirit from our old body so that we can put on our new body designed for this new world. We shouldn't fear death any more than we should fear exchanging an old pair of clothes for a brand new suit of clothes God has for us. Now today, let's look at the fourth way to prepare for heaven, and that is make the most of your time on earth. Make the most of your time on earth. God has allotted a different number of years and days for every one of us in this life, and yet we talk about people's average lifespan. You know, before the flood, people lived much longer. Remember before the flood, people lived hundreds and hundreds of years. Pop quiz. Who was the oldest man who ever lived? Methuselah. He died at 969 years of age. And yet immediately after the flood, people's lifespan decreased dramatically. And then through science and technology and better nutrition, people's lifespan started to increase. But did you see just this week, for the first time in decades, people's lifespan has decreased once again. Nevertheless, in Psalm 90, Moses said there's an average lifespan for most people. Now Moses beat it. He lived to be 120 years of age. And yet in Psalm 90, verses 10 and 12, he said, 70 years are given us, and some may even live to 80. But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. Verse 12 
teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard anybody speak about those verses. I was sitting in a freshman orientation chapel at Baylor University, and I was separated from my girlfriend, Amy, who was 90 miles south, closer to hell, at a place called the University of Texas. And uh, I'm I'm just teasing. But anyway, it was going to be two weeks until I got to see her again. And oh, my heart was just pining away. When would those two weeks be up? And while sitting in that chapel, I heard this preacher use this verse talking about how short time is. Teach us to number our days and realize how few they are. I was numbering the days, but believe me, they didn't seem few. They seemed many. I mean, at that time in my life, time moved like molasses. Age sure changes things. Does anybody here today talk about (laughs) how slowly time moves? Do any of you talk about that? Don't we talk about how quickly it goes? The older and older you get, the more quickly it seems to go. It's like one wag said, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the more quickly it goes. You've discovered that, haven't you? That's what Moses was saying, just a little more eloquently. He said, teach us to number our days to realize how very few they are. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. He said, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. In the Bible, uh, the word walk was an analogy for how you live your life. He said, be very careful how you live your life in light of how short time is. Here's a good exercise I hope every one of you have a list in your mind of at least three things you'd like to accomplish before you die. That's a good thing to sit down and think about. What three things do I think God would have me to do before I die? And once you get those three things in your mind, ask yourself as you go through the day, how much time do you actually devote to doing those major priorities in your life? Most of us spend very little time doing those things that we think are the most important That's why Paul said, make the most of your time. The Greek word, make the most, is a word literally that means buy up. Buy up your time. Time is a precious commodity. Somebody has said the difference between successful people and unsuccessful is their tender, loving care for time. Time is a precious commodity. Somebody said, time is the stuff life is made of. Did you know life is a lot like a dollar bill? Life is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. And that's why Paul said, you better buy it up. You better make the most of it. The philosopher Henry David Thoreau was very fearful that he would come to the end of his life and not realize that he had really lived life. He wrote, I did not wish to live what was not life. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. Of course, his way of doing it was going and living in the woods. Paul had a better idea for how to make the most of your time. Make the most of your time by living it in accordance with God's plan for your life. 
He said, make the most of your time because the days are evil. What does he mean by that? He simply meant Satan hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. And part of your, his scheme for your life is not just to lead you into doing sin, sinful things, but into doing meaningless things, to fritter away your time, not doing the things that will really count. I like the way J.B. Phillips paraphrases Ephesians five fifteen to 17. Listen to this. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of God. Isn't that great? Make the most of your time. Number five, to prepare for your journey to heaven, minimize your pre-departure regrets. Have you ever had this experience? You're at the departure gate getting ready to get on a plane and you remember something you should have done. Gee, I should have stopped the newspaper. I should have stopped the mail. I should have packed a warmer coat or an extra pair of socks. You know what I'm talking about. You, you wish you had done something, but it's too late. Now, those kind of regrets are minimal. They have no lasting consequences. But to come to the end of your life ready to enter into heaven with regrets, that's a whole different story. As a pastor, I've had the experience many times of sitting with Christians who were about to die and listening to them to lament their regrets in life, relationships they wish they had maximized, relationships they wish they hadn't broken, opportunities they should have taken advantage of. I'm reminded of the words of the poet John Greenleaf Whittier who wrote, for all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest for these, it might have been. Ronnie Ware was a worker in a care center. And in her work, she had the experience of listening to many deathbed confessions. And out of that experience, she wrote a book entitled The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. You know what they are? Number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my family. Number five, I wish I'd let myself be happier. You know, regrets are like a cancer. They eat at the very soul of our being. And there's certainly no way to spend your final days here on earth. When I think about that, I think about my own dad. Um, my father was um, successful in his career. He was a great Christian. He led my mom to faith in Christ and led us to become Christians he had an upper middle class income, took trips, and yet when he was 66 years of age, he was told he had pancreatic cancer and had four months to live. And you know, I'll never forget those four months sitting and talking with my dad often, and those weren't altogether happy days for my dad. I listened to him talk about all of his regrets in life, career opportunities he wished he had maximized, relationships he wished he had taken advantage of, words he wished he had never spoken. 
And as I listened to my dad talk, I realized the power that regrets have to extinguish the joy of an otherwise happy life. How can you make sure that you don't end your life with a long list of regrets? You know, one of the best resolves you can make is right now to focus on those things you believe God would have you to do, regardless of how long he has left for you here on earth. On your outline, I've encouraged you to engage in an exercise that I think really would honor God. That is, think through five major areas of your life, your relationship with God, your relationship to your family, your relationship with friends, your career, your finances. And then draw a column like this and ask God to help you identify what three things would you like to accomplish in each of these areas of your life before you go to heaven. Take an hour sometime this week and take time to fill out what are the three things God would like me to concentrate on the remaining years that I have. That's what Paul had in mind in Ephesians 5 when he said, live your life with a sense of purpose. Don't be vague. Oh, I want to be a better person. I want to be happier. Don't be vague, but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God for your life. You know, uh, I talked last time about Jonathan Edwards who at 19 years of age wrote down 70 resolves that guided the rest of his remarkable life. I encourage you to think in terms of resolves for each of these major life areas. For example, when it comes to your relationship with God, resolved, I will glorify God so that I might hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or regarding your mate and your family, Resolve, I will appreciate, enjoy, and value the mate God gave me. Some of you here know the pain of losing a mate. Don't have any regrets about the way you've treated your mate and appreciated your mate. Regarding your children, resolve, I will endeavor to point my children to Christ, to earn their respect, and to celebrate their uniqueness. Or with your friends, resolved, I will treasure my friendships by praying for and spending time with those people who enrich my life. When it comes to your career, resolved, I will choose a life work that utilizes my giftedness and my passions. When it comes to your finances, resolved, I will make sure that my finances are in order and my family is provided for when I die. Or here's one general one that really crosses a number of areas. Resolved, I will ask forgiveness from anyone I have wronged so that when I'm gone, they will always remember I tried to make things right. You know, one way to minimize your regrets in life is to focus right now on what God would have you spend the rest of your life doing. But part of dealing with regrets is going back to past mistakes and dealing with those as well. You know, mistakes can't be erased from our life, can they? Have you discovered life has no rewind button on it? The fact is, you can't erase your past mistakes. You can ask for God's forgiveness from them, but you can't erase your mistakes. But you can allow whatever mistakes you've made in the past to be a stepping stone to make significant changes right now in your life that will affect your tomorrow 
and your eternity. That's the way to deal with past mistakes so that you don't have any regrets. You can't erase them, but use those mistakes as a stepping stone to allow you to change your tomorrow and your forever. Whenever I think about that truth, I think of the remarkable story of a Swedish chemist named Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel made a fortune by discovering that you could stabilize liquid nitroglycerin with a compound. And so he created this substance. It was really a paste that came from very volatile liquid uh, nitroglycerin and this compound. And he had a new name for this paste he created. He called it dynamite. And Alfred Nobel planned for this explosive to be used in construction, the building of canals and roads, or in mining operations. Little did he know what would be the first use of dynamite, and that would be to kill millions of people in warfare. In 1888, Alfred Nobel's brother Ludwig suddenly died. But French newspapers made a mistake, and instead of printing Ludwig's Nobel's obituary, they accidentally printed the obituary for Alfred Nobel. And so Alfred Nobel had the unique experience of reading his own obituary in the newspaper. And as he read it, he realized what he would be reminded for. In fact, in the obituary, it used the term, he was a merchant of death. Not wanting to be remembered for that, Alfred Nobel made a decision to change his life at that point. He took his fortune and spent the rest of his time devoted to improving life on earth through the humanities and through science. And he created the awards that we still know today as the Nobel Peace Prize. Alfred Nobel couldn't erase his past, but he decided to use whatever regrets he had to make changes in his life today that would affect his tomorrow and his eternity. You know, you and I won't have the fame or fortune of Alfred Nobel, but we can exercise the same principle. Whatever regrets, mistakes you've made in the past, you can't eliminate them, but you can use them to change your tomorrow and your forever. You know, when Paul came to the end of his life, he didn't come to the end of his life without any mistakes. He had made terrible mistakes. He had blasphemed the name of God and persecuted Christians. He didn't come to the end of his life without mistakes, but he came to the end of his life without any regrets. My prayer is that you will enter the gates of heaven with absolutely no regrets. And why not begin your intentional journey right now? It's never too late to start doing what's right. Most of all, we want you to know that you're never alone in your journey. Our team at Pathway to Victory prays daily for those who listen to this program. And you're joined by millions of others around the world who, just like you, come to this place every day for the truth about God and our eternal home in heaven. Listen to this comment from one of your fellow listeners. Leah wrote, I bought your book, A Place Called Heaven, and shared it with my dad. It's because of you that my daddy finally saw that he couldn't be good enough on his own to get to heaven. This opened a conversation between us as he was lying in a hospital bed a month before he died. We prayed together and my dad prayed to receive Jesus as his Savior. Thank you. My dad is with Jesus now. Isn't that great? 
Well, this thank you note doesn't belong to me. It belongs to all of you, including our Pathway partners who help provide this daily broadcast to millions of people around the country. And today, whether you give a one-time gift or your very first gift as a Pathway partner, you're invited to request your copy of my brand new book called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. This is a padded hardcover gift book that's perfectly suited for anyone going through a season of suffering. This Monday is the deadline to receive your copy, so be sure to request your copy today. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request your very own copy of Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. Simply call us toll-free 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you the A Place Called Heaven teaching series on CD and DVD, along with a copy of the original best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress, A Place Called Heaven. To request this special package of resources on heaven, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd rather write, here's our mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Hoping you have a great weekend, and be sure to join us again Monday when Dr. Jeffress continues to answer the question, How can I prepare for my journey to heaven? That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.